What's up, what's up, everybody? This is Carmine Davis, and you are listening to The Carmine Davis Show. All right. That was fake as fuck. Okay. (laughs) How are y'all this week? I'm actually very tired. Very tired. Like I told y'all last week, I have been um, back like vocal training digitally with my uh, art. What is it? Uh, Via Zoom with my old vocal coach from back in the day. So like, Every night, like, I, like, do these vocal trills and all the stuff when I wake up. I mean, before I go to sleep I'm, and do them before I wake up. And it's, like, an hour or two, like, of just basic training. And it's so exhausted and I'm exhausting. And I and then I got stuff going on during the day. The dogs are sick and or acting sick. And it's just been a mess. But, you know, we're in a retrograde, child. So... Anything that could go wrong could go wrong. And then just every day-to-day work, it's just been a mess, child. But I have been, you know, really, really happy um, doing it, if that makes any sense. Like, you know, getting it all done and um, recording and all that stuff. So I hope y'all been as prosperous as I have been. Um, A lot of crazy shit going on. And I am glad to just be on top of everything. Um, if you are new to the show, make sure you follow, like, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I don't do it for my health. Last week's episode, we were um, up a week. I am such a, I'm a Capricorn, if you don't know. Um, if you're one of those weird people who just don't tune in every week or tune in every week and just or going in and out, you know. If you just missed the part where I tell you I'm a Capricorn every 15 minutes on this podcast, I am a Capricorn. And I just feel like I'm a very result-driven person. And I had to realize, like, our podcast, we saw, like, an extreme amount, like, a surge last week, um, close to... Um, our premiere episodes and you know we go up and down and all that but we've never gone pe- lower than um, you know uh, a 10% um, in podcast um, success like it's 10% of, what do you call it I don't know I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about but we're successful and uh, last week we rose but I, I want to trend <laughs> I want to um, not trend, but I want to chart on the Spotify chart or the Apple chart. So I need y'all to run them up, run these motherfucking numbers up. Let's do it. You know, we are, you know, the numbers are impressive, but I ain't impressed until I'm sitting next to Michelle Obama on the Spotify chart, the Spotify podcast chart. So... Again, like I said, share this podcast. Tell everyone you know about it. Listen to it with your friends. Uh, review. Let me know what you think, what you want to see, who you want to see on the show. We have a really great um, group of celebrity interviews, well, artist interviews that I have going. But it's just so difficult to get them, especially right now. What's going on in the, the pandemic? Ugh. It's just, it's just a lot. Like, why did I start a show in a pandemic? But anyway, 
you didn't come here to hear my bullshit. Well, you actually did. But I won't bother you with all that um, any longer. We're going to go jump into our first segment, which is always the hot topic. Always the hot topic. And this week, um, child, again, another very eventful week. But I want to kind of kick it off with something that I actually did I particularly watched myself and I actually watched the Wendy Williams movie this week. And I want to fucking talk about it. I want to talk about Wendy Williams in that movie. Okay, so before I watched the movie, I'm probably a day late and a dollar short. Um, didn't that come out like last week? <laughs> or was it Sunday? Yeah, it was Sunday. I think it was Sunday, right? Me and my best friend we attempted to go out um this weekend um i got um a free sunday night and i hardly ever go out and i never step out um especially during a pandemic like on a sunday like i never do but we were lucky enough to try to skirt out and there was nothing going on it was way too cold i guess it was kind of drizzling the night before nobody was out so everybody on twitter was talking about the movie while i was out so i came back i just saw it maybe the night before or last night. I watched it last night. And um <sighs> Y'all I mean I saw and I saw that y'all liked it and everything like that. I actually I might be pretty young. Um I wasn't but I knew who Wendy Williams was like growing up and I've seen pictures of her. I've heard of her. I knew who she was. And I <sighs> One shout out to the actress that played um, Wendy Williams in the film. I thought she did really, really good um, picking up a lot of Wendy's nuances, her, um, her like kind of her actions, like her quirkiness. Um, her name is Sierra Payton. I thought she did a great job of doing that. And shout out to the makeup team for making that pretty woman kind of transform into Wendy or to something, a close resemblance of Wendy. But um, I felt like this show was very, mm, I, I felt like Wendy tried it. One, this woman was... I don't want to come. I'm not a person who who attacks a woman's looks or stat. That woman was nothing like Wendy. Looked nothing like Wendy back in the day. Wendy looks great now. I mean, like for the first, you know. I, and I, I, they made even her lips like the makeup artist who did the the look. Mwah. chef kiss like I, I i think that they did such a great job trying to transform this woman into wendy um um i uh, the story i, I I can't, I couldn't get past the look. Wendy, I, I'm sorry. I don't know, you know, I don't know who they could have found as an actress to play Wendy and kind of get the look. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to put too much, um, 
criticism into the look. I mean, like, come on, like, but when I think of rock, like documentaries, like I, I think, especially about lifetime documentaries, they tend to find people who, um, I don't know. Y'all know what the fuck I'm trying to say. That didn't look like Wendy. Um, I, but I think they really did a great job trying. I don't know who, you know, they always say, if you can't give a suggestion, don't criticize. So I'm going to pretend like I didn't just spend the first five minutes criticizing it because I don't have a suggestion of anybody that could have played. I, I honestly would have probably, I, this is ugly. This might be ugly, but I probably would have preferred them to go ahead and, and had done a, um, a, a drag queen. I thought that would have been closer to the Wendy Williams look than um, that sweet lady, Sierra Payton. But I think she did a great job, all things considered. I One, the movie discusses... Um, Wendy's it basically is a I felt I took from the film that this was like damage control I felt like she missed so much of her life like it just kind of rushed through her drug days I think it kind of glamorized her drug use a little bit or maybe diminished her drug use. Uh, Wendy was an addict. Wendy had a very de- like wild life. Like Wendy was a something else, and I felt like the movie didn't really touch on that a lot. Like I felt like they kind of breezed past it. Um, her rows with celebrities. Uh, Tupac. They kind of they they kind of touched on that. Um, they had a glamorized version of her running with total if you didn't know she's talked about total and their finances um diddy kind of sent total to come down at the um studio to whoop wendy's ass um they just kind of made that into a little bit more like a glamour kind of thing the whole movie was very glamorized but i felt like it was more of a damage control thing um trying to make Wendy um into something she's not um I, I even and it focused most of the, the the focal point was on her marriage to Kevin Hunter even that was very glamorized very glamorized um there was no um there was no physical abuse in the film which there has been documents there's physical abuse has been documented in the relationship um the drugs the party it was very it was almost like hmm wendy williams lived a life like that was closer to wendy whitney houston's life then she tried to make it out to be maybe even a little bit worse like the demons and and everything like that that she faced 
Um, but they tried to make it seem like Wendy was a desperate housewife kind of thing. Like she was going through desperate how her husband cheated on her. And, you know, he convinced her to go to rehab when she had an alcohol problem. Like it was almost like a um kids bop version of Wendy's life. But I mean if I had not known any better if I had just kind of got introduced to Wendy um, on the Wendy Williams show maybe two or three years ago. Um, not even the Wendy Williams that first came out on the Wendy Williams show because that was a mess too. But like that blonde, the Wendy when she kind of got her look and her lighting right. If I had just gotten introduced to that Wendy, like, like I said, two years ago, I would believe this movie. And I would root for Wendy and I would kind of, but they glazed, glossed right over everything. Like the nitty gritty of the things that the mess of Wendy Williams child, they just completely, the, what we, the meat and potatoes of Wendy, like they just kind of glossed over and kind of went right into what kind of damaged her career. And kind of made it and wrapped it up and turned it around and tried to make her make it seem more relatable than it was. Um, maybe even uh, less scary and dark than it was. She kind of at the end it was she had this whole what's love got to do with it notion like this whole speech and I'm like girl you were running out of there for your life like don't try to make it seem like you were. Like it was, I don't know. I I'm gonna give it. I I will give it a. I I would give it a. I'm I'm gonna give it a C. Because it was good. I mean, but it wasn't. It wasn't. A, I don't. I guess you can't say it wasn't accurate either. I just find. I think it was. Fluffed. Fluffed up a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. She she told you the truth about things. I just don't think she she didn't. It was very vague. There was it was very vague. But I am here for the branding, Miss Wendy. I'm here for the growth. I'm here for. I mean, the fact that Wendy Williams has a movie on Lifetime is, you know. I, I just, I wanted more, like more nitty gritty. And I felt like if it was a movie that she wanted to see, she would have wanted more. Like, I don't think Wendy Williams would have been satisfied with that movie if it wasn't Wendy Williams's movie, if that makes any sense. Um, it's worth the watch. It was worth the watch. I would get high and watch it. You know what I mean? Like, I would get high and watch it. It wasn't... It wasn't as bad as the Aaliyah and the Britney Spears movie, but it wasn't as good as the Clark Sisters movie. Um, I thought that um, Victoria Godding movie was pretty good, but I would compare it a little bit less gritty than the Victoria Godding movie. Um, that was a good one on Lifetime. That was a good one, but it wasn't. I, I would still say the Clark Sisters movie, as far as like detailing, like the grittiness and all that, like, you know what I mean? Like casting, I think that was the standard. I would compare it to the Victoria Godden movie a little bit. 
But anyway, I mean, did y'all see it? Tweet me. Let me know what y'all think. Um, Carmine Davis. Um, Instagram.com slash Carmine Davis. Um, you know, did you watch it? Like, am I the only one? That, I watched it later. You know, I streamed it on um, um, the the Lifetime website. I, it was a C. It was a C. It was a C. A strong C. Um, but before we go any further, we're about to move into the artist spotlight segment. Um, but I'd like you to follow, like, subscribe, rate, review this podcast. If you are a returning weirdo who just sits back and listens to the show and do, does not just subscribe, what are you, what's stopping you? Like, honestly, like, it's a serious question. What's stopping you? If you listen to two or three shows in a row, what the fuck is stopping you? Go ahead and, like, smash the subscribe button. Stop playing. Stop playing with yourself. Get those notifications. Come on. Join the family. Come on. Come on in the room. Um, okay, but like I said, the middle segment is always dedicated to um, the artist spotlight. And this week, we are going to talk about something that normally we talk about um an art a particular artist but i feel like the last couple of shows we talked about more like concepts which i like a lot or ideas and um things of that nature okay so i this particular topic is i come bearing bad news okay i've been avoiding this we touch on it a little bit here and there um i bring his name up i try not to I I'm try, I I try not to breathe um air into stupidity. I thought this whole situation would have died down by now and we would not be here to this day and I didn't think that I would be able to say these things. But Tory Lanez um has grown in popularity since shooting Megan Thee Stallion. And I would like to know why. Why do the bad boys and music seem to. uh, Why? Like, why does it seem to be? Why are y'all streaming Tory Lanez? Why? Now, uh, backstory. I was a Tory Lanez fan. I thought he was so cute. I thought his music was it was actually pretty decent back in the day um, before all this happened. I am one of those people who literally, like, you could look on my Spotify. I don't want even a song that he is featured on playing on my my spot, my my playlists because I understand that what he's done now i'm not very a big part i I understand what he's done there is no validation for it and he shot her twice in both her feet now there's no validation for that i don't care how you cut it there's no way you can wrap your brain around it um and what kind of scared me more than anything is that this man is out and about laughing and cackling and mumbling and cackling in like group chats 
in y'all's clubhouse things. Y'all are laughing and cackling with him. And that wasn't the case before. Like we, we people like Tori, but it's almost as if he has become even more famous since shooting a black woman in her foot twice without we and still to this day he cannot give us any solid proof of his innocence at all like there was a rumor a report that he um wanted to come out and um he had this he's got this gag order against him and he can't discuss the situation anymore anymore or any further okay let me tell you okay so this this hot topic is um i mean well then it's not a hot topic but this is the artist spotlight, but I guess it's kind of like a, um, a semi-hot topic. Tory Lanez leaves clubhouse chat room after being confronted with Megan Thee Stallion questions. All right. Um, you know, his first name is Daystar. His real name is Daystar Peterson. Uh, Daystar Tory Lanez Peterson cannot avoid the conversation surrounding his arrest for allegedly shooting Megan Thee Stallion last summer. The topic was apparently brought up again during a clubhouse session. As it should have been. Tory Lanez is among celebrities who enjoy talking to other people on Clubhouse. However, his latest experience on the chat room wasn't entirely good as one of the chat members decided to confront the Canadian rapper about the Megan Thee Stallion shooting allegations leveled at him. In a video that circulated online, someone on the panel asked Tory, uh, why you shoot Meg? The atmosphere quickly became uncomfortable as others were silent for a moment before some of the panelists attacked the unnamed person. The person was allegedly booted from the panel following the confrontation. The quarantine radio host himself also exited the chat room later. Once the news was on Twitter, some users immediately weighed in on the matter. Yo, why somebody on Clubhouse asked Tori, why you shoot Megan and everybody in there got mad? And I thought it was a valid question. <laughs> One fan tweeted, adding, the sicker part was that it was from more females that was mad. Somebody asked Tori Lanes why he shot Meg on Clubhouse and the whole room went at his neck. Did he shoot her or not, man? Another user echoed, applauding the one who confronted Tori. One person said, whoever that man on Clubhouse was that asked Tori why he shot Meg got me weak, LOL. Prior to this, Tori's team filed a complaint to the court about the situation, asking the court to let him talk about the assault case. He reportedly sought modifications to the terms of his protective order case, which was issued November 18, 2020, that forbid him from talking about the case or having any contact with Megan. His lawyer stated, in contrast to Mr. Peterson's silence, Megan authored and posted six tweets of her 5.6 million Twitter followers in quick succession. This lawyer added, the evidence, including gunshot residue implicating others, is mitigating, if not exculpatory. And cast serious doubt on the claims made by Megan. Most people in Tory's shoes will be keeping a low profile. And that is the part that bothers me. I don't, I don't want to say it just bothers me. It kind of scares me. And his uh, people are listening to him and watching him more than they did before. Um, I, I discuss it frequently. Like I, I think I discussed it last week regarding Trey Songs, um, or the week before Trey about Trey Songs and how I feel like 
we reward bad behavior from these people but it's a it's a tale as old as time um but back in the day you know like things like this cost serious damage to someone's career um michael jackson's career never really recovered michael jackson of all people his career never really recovered from those sexual allegations they didn't. He never sold like Thriller. He never sold like Bad. Like every allegation came, um, a hit to his career. Now it it feels like, you know, when things happen to these um, rappers or these R and B singers, that they are there's not only no sense of accountability or any. It's almost like they're herald. And I guess the difference is because Michael Jackson was accused of child molestation. Um, Tory Lanez shot America's most hated thing, and it was a black woman. There were nothing, mostly nothing but black women in that clubhouse group, and they literally came for that person's neck. Every time I look on Twitter, it's always black women coming to Tory Lanez's defense. And that is scary. Torlanes suffers from a mental disorder. Clearly, there is something mentally wrong with Torlanes. And a lot of them, all of them suffer from some form of um narcissism. There is a sense of uh, but Torlanes is a little bit different. Torlanes this he has no guilt. I think his only he felt his big concern was the whole time how this would affect his career, how his fellow rappers and um, fellow uh, R&B singers would look at him and his industry people. His like Chris Brown is doing a song with him. There's a post of them working together, as if they are coming to his defense or they are they are aligned with him because. Not that I'm saying that, I mean, uh, shit, it might not, it might be true, but I don't think that it's because they are pro what he did. I think they understand that Tory Lanez is hotter than he ever has been, and all he had to do was shoot a bitch in her feet to get there. Tory Lanez has flipped this whole thing like a narcissist does, lied, like what? <laughs> Like he lied if he didn't shoot Megan who did. And why would she lie about it? Why would she lie? He released a mixtape or an album saying nothing. He's telling everybody can tell us who didn't shoot Megan, but nobody can tell us who did it. Who shot the stallion? Who shot the stallion? Here we are almost a year later. Who shot the stallion? If it wasn't Trigger, Tory, like, who did it? And why do y'all rush to these black men's defense who are obviously in the wrong? What is it about black women who come and support them? This nigga is sick. This thing is psychotic, and he would do it again. This is not his first time attacking, uh, um, I'm sure, someone. Like, this is crazy. This shit is fucking crazy. 
This shit is crazy. He has over 18 million monthly listeners on Spotify. 18 million. To make that, to put that in perspective, let's put that in perspective, okay? Megan Thee Stallion has almost 30, which is double, you know what I mean? Like, cool. Okay, so let's say acts like, um, name someone, Britney Spears. Britney Spears has 18 million monthly listeners as well. Um, Doja Cat has 38. Dua Lipa, 61. Faith Evans, she has 3 million. Um, let's see, another, like another, R. Kelly has 4 million. Um, let's see, someone like, I don't know, Bibi Rexa, she has 23 million. These are people who are you know, seemingly just go to work, mind their motherfucking business, and they tend to not shoot bitches in their feet. Uh, Gwen Stefani has 9 million. Uh, let's see. Similar artist. Do y'all understand what I'm saying? Chris Brown has 29,000. So he's 11,000, 11 million short. Only 11 million, which, I mean, I think that's insane that we still listen. But, I mean, Okay. Um, hmm. Similar to Trey Song. I mean, Trey Songs has Trey Songs has seven million listeners, monthly listeners, and Tory Lanez has eighteen million. You mean to tell me before he shot Megan Thee Stallion that he had anywhere near close or past Trey Songs' listening amount? Like this is what I, I say all that because it's kind of it's startling and it's scary. It's scary. This shit is scary. This shit is scary. The people who I named, like those men, Chris Brown, um, Tori, uh, let's look at who else? Um, the baby. The baby is fucking problematic as fuck. The baby slapped a bitch in her mouth, in her fucking grown ass mouth, walking across the stage. The baby has 45 million listeners. So instead of holding these people accountable, being like, oh, no, that shit ain't cool. We run it up. That's crazy as hell to me. What in, um, I, I guess the big question is, what is that saying to these people? What is that saying to other artists who, like Tory Lanez, will do anything to be popular? These streams are all they care about. These tweets and these Instagram likes and these followers are all they care about. They don't care about you. They don't care about me. They don't care about people in their way. They care about the clout so much that they don't give a fuck about anything else. That's scary. To the point where you shot a woman and you sat back and you locked yourself, you hid away, you came up with this whole elaborate alternate reality as to what happened, you came back and you said it and you, you, you believed it, and I mean, of course, people were so ready, ready to 
accept that because they don't like Megan. They don't like a confident black woman. They don't like a black woman who is calling shots and doing this, that, and the third. They hate it. They hate it more than anything. And you roll with it to the, to the, sadly to the top. 18 million listeners on Spotify. I blocked him. But what difference does it make? <laughs> when 18 million people listen to him a month after he has shot the stallion and vehemently denied it if you didn't shoot her, who did? And why are y'all, why am I even asking that motherfucking question? He shot her. He shot her. He shot her. Allegedly, I guess I'm supposed to say. But allegedly, he shot her. Why would she lie on Tori? Why? There would be proof. It was his motherfucking gun. Like... That's all. It's um. That's it. I just I I noticed a trend with music now, and, and especially when it comes to hip hop and R and B. Um, the more troubled you are, and the crazier, and the most bizarre, and the most disrespectful, um, way you behave. Uh, blueface. How like blueface? The rapper blueface. What the fuck is that? What the fuck is Blueface doing? Like, y'all sit back and support these motherfuckers. Like, who wouldn't, who would probably literally piss in your fucking face? Spit on you. Oh, well, okay. That's what it is. That's probably what y'all like. Well, let's move on. Let's move the fuck on. Okay, um... Let's move on to our third segment. Um, but before we do, just in case you're just tuning in or you're like, ooh, I can listen to this bitch all week, every week. You sure can. Follow, like, rate, subscribe, review this podcast. Um, I don't do it for my motherfucking health. Like, show me love. And we're going on to the third segment. Okay. Love, relationship, and sex segment and I want to talk about something kind of on in the vein of our last conversation um how can we love an abuser or narcissist and why we stay friends don't understand why you love an abuser and there's good reasons okay falling in love usually occurs before we really know our partner it happens to us because we're at the mercy of unconscious forces commonly referred to as chemistry quote unquote don't judge yourself for loving someone who doesn't treat you with care and respect because by the time the relationship turns abusive we are attached and want to maintain our connection and love but there are, may have been hints of abuse at the beginning that we overlooked. Abusers are good at seduction and wait until they know the partner is hooked before showing their true colors. By then, love is cemented and doesn't die easily. It's difficult to leave an abuser. It's possible and even probable 
to know we're unsafe and still love an abuser. Research shows that victims of violence on average experience seven incidents before permanently leaving their partner. Seven incidences. It can be humiliating to stay in an abusive relationship. Those who don't understand ask why we love someone ab- someone's abuse and why we stay. We don't have good answers, but there are valid reasons. Our motivations are outside of our awareness and control because we're wired to feel for attached for survival. These instincts control our feelings and behavior. Um, we deny to survive. If we weren't treated with respect in our family and have low self-esteem, we would tend to deny the abuse. We won't expect to be treated better than how we were controlled, demeaned, and pub- and punished by a parent. Denial doesn't mean we don't know what's happening. Instead, we minimize or rationalize it and or its impact. We may not realize it's actually abuse. Research shows we deny our survival to stay attached and per- procreate for survival of the species facts and feelings that would normally undermine love are minimized or twisted so that we overlook them or blame ourselves in order to keep loving by appeasing our partner and connecting to love we stop hurting love is rekindled and we feel safe again idealization and repetition compulsion when we fall in love If we haven't worked through trauma from our childhood, we're more susceptible to idealizing our partner when dating. It's likely that we will seek out someone who reminds us of a parent with whom we have unfinished business. Not necessarily, not necessary of our opposite sex parent. We might be attracted to someone who has aspects of both parents. This is known um, in Freudian parlance as repetition compulsion and helps us overlook signs that could be predictive of trouble now i for me personally i have experienced that on my own literally the same sign the zodiac sign my mother is a libra and i dated um my first boyfriend was actually a libra and he it was very abusive and toxic we he hit me um i talk about the show uh, i've talked about this on the show multiple times in the past but um, we were on and off for a little while and then we became friends. Like we became like really, really friends like quickly, but it was still, um, a power struggle. Like it was very abusive. And he reminded me so much of my mother in the sense of like, like that whole unfinished business thing. Like me and my mom's relationship kind of severed. I got out of the house and I just kind of left. We, we never really, I left the house early and on a bad note. And we kind of pushed past it, um, but we never addressed it. She was um, very unkind to me. I felt like my mom never really looked at me as a who I really was, but kind of who she thought I was. She never really validated me or affirmed me. She was very undermining sometimes, not um, unemotional, distant, cold. She... Um, I don't know. She she never really um she wasn't there for me emotionally. I I felt like um she, so I my my partner at the time was like just like that. Just like that. He would do things like he wouldn't on my birthday, like my birthday just passed recently, he would wait until the 13th to tell me happy birthday every time. We could have spoken all day. I could have seen him all day. He wouldn't address my birthday. 
He wouldn't talk about it. He wouldn't do it. It was almost as if he didn't want me to. Like it, it was, it was weird. It was always games like that, undermining me, um, making me feel bad, not affirming me. Like it, it was strange, and so that kind of stuck out to me. That part. Um, the cycle of abuse. After an abusive episode, often there's a honeymoon period. The abuser may seek connection and act romantic, apologetic, or remorseful. Regardless, we're relieved that there's a peace for now. We believe promises that it will never happen again because we want to and because we're wired to attach. The breach of the emotional bond feels worse than the abuse. We yearn to feel connected again. Often the abuser professes to love us. We want to believe it and feel reassured about the relationship, hopeful and lovable. Our denial provides an illusion of safety. This is called the merry-go-round of denial that happens in alcoholic relationships after a bout of drinking followed by promises of sobriety. Low self-esteem. Due to low self-esteem, we believe that the abuser's belittling, blame, and criticism, which further lessen our self-esteem and confidence in our own perceptions. They intentionally do this for power and control. We're brainwashed into thinking we have to change to make the relationship work. We become easily manipulable. Blame ourselves and try harder to meet the abuser's demands. We may interpret sexual overtures, crumbs of kindness, or just absence of abuse as signs of love and hope that the relationship will improve. Thus, as trust in ourselves decline, our love and idealization of the abuser remain intact. We may even doubt that we could find anything better. Empathy. Many of us empathy Many of us have empathy for the abuser, but not for ourselves. We are unaware of our needs and would feel ashamed asking for them. This makes us susceptible to manipulation if an abuser plays the victim, exaggerates guilt, shows remorse, blames us, or talks about a troubled past. They usually have one. Our empathy feeds our denial system by supplementing, supplying justification, rationalization, and minimization of the pain we endure. Most victims hide the abuse from friends and relatives to protect the abuser, both out of empathy and shame about being abused. Secrecy is a mistake and gives the abuser more power. I was similar. Like, to me, um, I remember our big, big, big blowout. Um, and he was, he, he opened up to me and was crying about his family and all that. And, and um, the first part of me, you know, like I said, I tell people all the time in college, I was a little bitch. Like I was mean. I was, you know, like I was unforgiving. It was, you know what I mean? But I just didn't want him to hurt anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was like, okay, you know, whatever, whatever we can do to fix it. And I did not want to let him go and treat him like his mother or his father. And he didn't have anybody at home. And and I knew what that felt like. And, you know, I I I didn't want to um let him down. And, you know, we would have the good days, like shortly after a blow up, those were the best days. The movies, like we were in college at the time, so um, he had a car and we were driving to and from. We used to go to competitions and um, all these things. He was just always there. We would laugh. We had a similar sense of humor. 
Um, we would go and eat up shit. Like he was just, and it was nice to have him around, like just a guy. Like it was, he was such a cute guy to me and handsome and he was protective. Like, you know, it was nice to have him around. So when we weren't fighting and we were laughing again, it was almost like worth it in a weird, weird, weird way. I don't know. It's, it's strange looking back on it. Like, how the fuck was it worth it? But, you know, I don't know. You 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 just buy into it. Um, positive aspects. Undoubtedly, the abuser and the relationship have positive aspects that we enjoy or miss, especially the early romance and good times. We recall or look forward to their recurrence if we stay. We imagine if only he or she would control his or her anger or agree to get help or just change one thing, everything would be better. This is our denial. Often abusers are also good providers, offer a social life, or have special talents. Narcissists can be exceedingly interesting and charming. Many spouses claim that they enjoy the narcissist's company and lifestyle despite the abuse. People with features of borderline personality light up your life with excitement when they're in a good mood. Sociopaths pretend to be whatever you want for their own purposes. You won't realize what they're up to for some time. That was exactly what happened with me. Intermittent reinforcement. When we receive occasional and unpredictable positive and negative intermittent reinforcement, we keep looking for the positive. It keeps us addictively hooked. Partners may be emotionally unavailable or have an avoidant attachment style. They may periodically want closeness after a wonderful, intimate evening they pull away shut down or are abusive when we don't hear from the person we become anxious and keep seeking closeness we mislabel our pain and longing as love especially people with a personality disorder might intentionally do this they play games to manipulate and control us with rejection or withholding they have they then they ha- randomly fulfill our needs. We become addicted to seeking a positive response. Over time, periods of withdrawal are longer, but we are trained to stay, walk on eggshells, and wait and hope for connection. This is called trauma bonding. Due to repeated cycles of abuse in which the inter- intermittent, I can never pronounce that, reinforcement, I know how to say it, I just can't pronounce it. Reinforcement of reward and punishment creates emotional bonds that resist change. It explains why abusive relationships are the most difficult to leave. We become codependent on the abuser. We may completely lose ourselves trying to please and not displease the abuser. Bits of kindness or closeness feel all the more poignant, like makeup sex, because we've been starved and we're relieved to feel loved. The fee- this feeds our cycle of abuse. Abusers will turn on the charm if you threaten to leave, but it's just not temporary. It's just another temporary ploy to reassert control. Expect to go through the withdrawal after you leave. You may still miss and love your abusive ex. When we feel completely under the control of abuser and can't escape, escape from physical injury, we can develop Stockholm syndrome. As this term applied to captives, any act of kindness or even absence of violence feel like a sign of friendship and being cared for. The abuser seems less threatening and we start imagining that they're our friend and we're in this together. This occurs in intimate relationships that are less 
perilous due to the power of chemistry, physical attraction, and sexual bonding. We're loyal to a fault. We want to protect the abuser whom we're attached to rather than ourselves. We feel guilty talking to outsiders, leaving the relationship, or calling the police. Outsiders who try to help feel threatening. For example, counselors and 12-step programs may be viewed as interlopes, interlopers who want to brainwash and separate us. This reinforces the toxic bond and isolates us from help, what the abuser wants. And here are some steps that you can take. If you feel trapped in a relationship or can't get over your ex, seek support and professional help. Attend a CODA meeting. Get information and challenge your denial. Report violence and take steps to protect yourselves from violence and emotional abuse. Write about it and grieve that relationship. Be more loving to yourself. Meet your own needs. Confront abuse wisely and learn to set boundaries and take steps to raise your self-esteem. That last part reminded me of my ex, um, who I, I love, 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 love. I thought I loved, but he did all those things. He was a little, like, fire starter. Like, every, he invoked so much passion in me. And, like, so much, like, but he, I was, I'm a smart person, but I was a puppet on a string. Like, for this, like, I mean, like, and, and when I stood and I stepped up to myself, for myself, and I stood up, he literally, like, cut me off. And it was almost like a power play of him trying to see how long he could do it. He used to, like, stoke fires. He even came, like, it, it even affected my job. It was, it was just a lot. And because I wouldn't do what he wanted me to do. And even turning me into the manipulative one, like he was going around telling people that I was abusive, I was the manipulative one, but in reality, I was the one spiraling. I was trying, I was bonding, I was um, even, even like begging for us to make it work. I used to come to his house and all that stuff, and I'm, I'm, I wasn't innocent and, and all that. I was a little bit controlling, but... He did it that way. You know, he he put those seeds in my head and we weren't good for each other. But the abuse and all of that, it was it was just. And if you're going through anything like that, I, I pray that you love yourself enough and see that you are just as special as the person that you are dying for. And I. I. What worked for me is realizing that I was on fire and this person was cool as a cucumber. You know, and I feel like that's the sign of abuse or when something's wrong, when you both aren't on the same temperature. You know, like this person can light you on fire and you will burn, but you can't touch them. They won't let you touch them. So you can burn so they run away. And it's a constant back and forth. Like that's what we used to do. We would just set each other on fire and run away. And um and and so we wouldn't be burning together. That's manipulation. And um I got help. You know, I wrote through it. My album is dedicated to that last relationship. Um, all friendship is romantic. Everything um that I went through is on this work that I'm working on. 
Um, I spoke to all my friends about it, talked to people about it. I'm still going through it. I'm still sad. Every time someone mentions his name, I just break into two. Like, it's almost as if, like, I don't know, someone discussing, like, a, a house fire or someone discussing a bad, horrible car accident. And bringing it up, like, it's almost like that. Like, I, when I think of it, it's, it makes me twitch. Like, it makes me, I don't know. Like, it almost, like, it feels like I survived a bear attack. I know that sounds dramatic, but if you've ever been into an abusive relationship and you survived it and you're on the other side and you look and, like, someone mentions that person's name, it, it's like, you know, I'm not at that point 100% where I... Wish this person peace. I still go and check on this person's socials and stalk this person out a little bit. Um, that actually kind of helps me a little bit, if that makes any sense. Like sometimes I'll go and I'll look on his page and I'll be like, what the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> I know that sounds horrible and they tell you not to do that, but that actually helps me. Like if I think of this person as when we were together instead of who this person is today. Like when I go on that person's page and I see, I'm like, you fell the fuck off. Like <laughs> you look broke as fuck. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, it actually helps me stay away and actually, but you know, I, I wouldn't advise that for everybody, but that did help me and help me cope. Like sometimes like I do go and I'll look and stalk on this person's social, read the bullshit that this person posts about being this paragon of virtue. And I'm like, nigga, you are the, the most disgusting person that I've ever met in my life. And I still love you as a person, but you need, you don't need another stimulus check. You need a motherfucking reality check. And <laughs> I I pray to God that I get to the place where I can 110% forgive and forget. But anger has really brought me to the other side. To the point where I don't want to call this person. I don't want to speak to this person. Um, there's a part of me that's peaceful to the point where I know I could talk to this person without being on fire and without crying or screaming or yelling at this person but it's it's still sort of like an eye roll kind of thing and um I guess that's that's better than wanting to run to this person on foot from across the states <laughs> you know what I mean like I wanted to at one point um willing to give it all up for this person you know um, who wouldn't give me anything right now so but anyway just know that you're not alone. And, you know, if you're listening to this and you're like, that's not my situation. Make sure you just go back and read the article in the description and make sure, you know, 100%, you know, when he's banging on your door and when you're getting all these, he's calling you like a psycho or accusing you of everything. Just go through and read this article in the description and make sure that in that moment that this does not sound like what you're going through because you might just be in a honeymoon phase. And if you if this has nothing to do with you, God bless you. Teach us, tweet us, karma, tweet me, teach me how to, how are you not attracting psychopaths? <laughs> 
at Carmine Davis on Instagram, Twitter.com slash Carmine Davis. Um, the Carmine Davis show on Instagram. Let me know, like, how the fuck are you doing it? How do you balance? Because it feels like to me, like, all of us are dating fucking psychos. Child, that is my show. I love y'all. And um, I'll see y'all next week. Bye.